Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You are listening to the Nighttime Podcast. Hello, listeners. Let me start by just telling you right off the top that this episode is heavy. Tonight, we're going to be discussing the story of a life cut far too short in circumstances that probably aren't going to add up right for a lot of the people listening. In early 2020, Andra Adams took a trip from Halifax to Seattle to visit a young man she met online and formed a relationship with. But that visit would be extended as a result of the border closures brought on by the pandemic. But unlike her stay in Seattle stretching on, Andrew's life would grind to a screeching halt when she'd end up killed during a domestic violence incident that culminates with her being run over by her boyfriend's vehicle. The Seattle police investigation of the incident, or lack thereof, has drawn criticism by both Andrew's loved ones and advocacy groups. But Andrew's mother Lilith, she's far from willing to accept the Seattle police conclusion that this was all simply an accident that occurred in the midst of a lover's quarrel. And shortly, we're going to hear Andrew's mother Lilith explain exactly why. Tonight, in this episode of the Nighttime Podcast, Lilith Adams will join me to discuss the life and death of her daughter, Andra Adams. Lilith, just to start, what, I, what I'd like to get is just an introduction of you. Maybe tell me a bit about yourself, what your life's like in present day. Okay, present day, my life. Uh, my life's been very different since 2020 mm-hmm. uh, because I wasn't living in Halifax, so after we got news of her death i came home basically for family support because uh, all my family's in halifax so moved home staying with a very good friend uh, which is tough in housing crisis right so i was very lucky to stay with a good friend and i'm doing private house care right now basically and kind of every day spending a few hours on trying to unravel this crazy case Mm-hmm. I, I didn't realize it was your daughter's death that brought you back to Halifax, but because I, I know that's when, when I think of your daughter, I think of her originating in Halifax. So I guess I kind of assumed you were always here. But just to to give people perspective, I'm curious at at this point, like, like we've met as a result of Andy's death, and and the work you're doing to raise awareness and find accountability to those responsible. But just to give me a sense, how does uh, seeking accountability and trying to get answers related to your daughter's death occupy your time? Like how much time would you say you put into this and, and what sort of things are you doing to, to raise awareness to what happened to her? Um, well, it takes probably more time than I'd like it to, but it's always, you know, I, I really think that the human brain has to have answers. And so when we had zero answers, that wasn't going to cut it for us. Right. Um, so a lot of my time in the beginning was spent going through 
videos, looking people up, um, being in touch with a lot of her friends that were all over the world that didn't understand. Some of her friends thought that she committed um, social media suicide because they thought that she just, she's not really dead, right? She just went off social media. This is all a ploy. And I thought, no, like I heard that easily 10 times. People yeah. just thinking, oh, she's just, is she off doing stuff and she's not online anymore? No. So um, it was a lot of, and then a lot of her friends were devastated, right? So, you know, you find solace in talking to them, but it's also kind of hard on the head too, because you're trying to, you're grieving and you're trying to help everyone else grieve. So yeah, a lot of time with support groups. I've got a couple different support groups of mothers, um, which are great. MAD, I've been involved with MAD lately and a couple groups in Seattle that have been doing protests because of all the domestic violence problems down there. Mm -hmm. uh, as you describe it, it sounds like after uh, after your daughter's death, you've taken on the quest almost as a somewhere between like a private investigator mixed with uh, almost like seeking therapy in the search for information and accountability. Is that, that fair to say? So. Yeah, I think that's very fair to say. I used to, I actually said to one of the policemen in the beginning of all this case, like, I think I've put in more time than you guys. Like, they've said to me things like, um, well, no, I didn't watch that interview. It's three hours long. And I thought, oh my God, I've watched days worth of interviews and on body cams, but they just didn't have the time to dedicate to it. So I kind of thought, then of course I go to the doctor because my head's not very great from this. And he's like, why are you looking at all these things? And it was like, I have to find the answer. There's something fishy and I can't take it. And more people reached out to say different stories that happened and the police just shut the investigation down and they didn't go any further. And the story was starting to sound far too familiar. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So we're, we're going to go back in time now and maybe paint picture for me. Tell me about when Andrew was born. What was your life like? Where were you? What was the structure of the family? So when, when Andrew came home from the hospital, what did she come home to? Okay. Well, first of all, Andrew was a twin and um, we were pretty excited about that. But hmm. I went into labor two months early. So they were both in the hospital for months. So... We actually stayed in the hospital quite a bit, and they came back to 
I don't know, like it was just full-time care because we have preemies. I mean, they came home as five-pound babies. What? Five-pound preemie twins. Right. No, so they were, that was, that was probably a blur the first year because you're just constantly trying to take care of these little people. Right. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so that was kind of amazing from the beginning. We were really nervous because we had to leave them in the intensive care, of course, right away. Um, and they both had their own nurses and yeah, it looked kind of hairy, but I mean, they're great. They were at the IWK and they're fabulous there. And mm -hmm. yeah, they came out, I would say they came out five pound bouncing babies. And um, yeah, it was great actually. And the family was quite excited because, hey, another set of twins. I had a couple sets of twins in my family. Really? Yeah, I hear that runs in families. It's I, I find the whole idea of it magical. And Andra has it, not an identical twin, right? No, it's her brother. It's a fraternal twin. It's her brother. And it's funny because they couldn't be any more different. They couldn't look any more different. Um, and they're tight. They're so tight, of oh, course. I don't and know. always were. Brother and sister, same age, not uh, with, with kind of different interests. I have a feeling you had a very interesting household growing up. Well, absolutely. And then they had a little brother as well, because Connor is a year and a half younger than them. So mm -hmm. when they got older, Andy told everyone that Connor was her twin because they looked more alike. And oh, everybody really? bought that story. So everyone. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was very funny. And everyone would say they thought that Ryan was her boyfriend and she would get so upset. You can't walk next to me at school. Why? I'm your brother. Right. <laughs> OK, so so Ryan is her <laughs> twin brother. Ryan is Ryan's your twin brother, or Connor, the younger brother. Yeah. Is it so. just, was just the three kids in the home? That was it. Just the three of them. And, and where was it that you, you all lived? I'm sure we, in Halifax. Actually, uh, we were in the North end of Halifax and they actually went to the elementary school that I went to when I was little in the North end. And it was just a little school and it was quite lovely. Mm -hmm. Then School got a little bit hairy in junior high because there was like, I always say they had the typical adolescent problems of bullying and fights and just really kind of crappy. We had a crappy few years in junior high mm -hmm. um, and everyone did at the time, I think, right? Like, I don't think it was extra hard on them. It was just tough. We moved to Dartmouth. They started another high school and they had a really hard time there. They did okay there, but it just wasn't their crowd, right? So they were very, and all three of my kids are gamers. So they went to school, they came back and bam, they were on their games, right? They, so, okay. All right. Yeah. But three of them through school together, that's a lot of atoms uh, over the course of, I guess, two or three grades between between Absolutely. the three of them. So it's, as far as parenting goes, that's trial by fire for-, for 100%, you. yes, uh, 100%, right? So as Andy's growing up, going through through school with her her two brothers, what what was she like? You said she was into games, but what would have her personality been? How would you have described her as a as an adolescent? She was the loudest of the three. Okay, um, I guess does she have to be being the girl with two brothers? Maybe, yeah, absolutely, right. And we had a time when her twin brother didn't say too much, and then we actually had him tested. We tested his hearing. Mm -hmm. And his hearing was perfect. And the doctor said, oh, he's mastered selective hearing. Who else has he got home? And I said, well, his sister kind of talks for him, right? Okay. So he said, okay, cool. So Ryan could hear every single thing everybody was saying. He just didn't have to because Andy kind of uh, 
she she was awesome she played with them she was the kid that told them what they were gonna do like you know this is what we're doing now right she'd dress up connor i have pictures of connor all dressed up because that's what she wanted to do right so um they loved art they loved painting all three of them really painting and drawing and writing and dancing andy was always doing routines or doing a hula hoop like active active mm -hmm. kid right and mm -hmm. it was a good thing to see them outside so much right yeah but as you describe her as a kid it seems like that stuck with her because i've i've seen her described as a firecracker later in life but as you describe her uh her twin brother maybe i'm picturing him almost hiding behind her a little bit as she's the one doing the talking and making the decisions so is this kind of like confidence and sort of outgoing personality something she had you know from the beginning? I think I think so. Um, when she was probably twelve years old, we put her at Neptune Theater. They had lots of different courses there, little theater courses in the summer, and she loved it. And it was perfect when we would go see their little performances. It was like, yeah, this kid needs to do this, right? So she was. Sometimes she was shy, but not when she was performing. Right? She was a born performer for sure. This was going to happen for this child, yeah. right? And again, something that stuck with her when I watch her, she, her YouTube channel, like so much is archived there of her doing these sort of performances for, you know, whoever Absolutely. was following her YouTube channel. Hey guys, um, it's me, Miss Strep Throat Isolation, doing a very special um, review for you today on a very delicious, tasty treat. This is a clove of purple garlic so i'm just gonna go ahead and as you can see i already had a little nibble at this just because i really couldn't resist but i am gonna pop it in my mouth now and uh check it out and i'll let you guys know what i think about this wow it's potent truly delicious when you got her into you know, acting or going to the Neptune theater for these like camps and stuff. Did you do that because it was close or, or whatever and convenient? Or did you do it because you thought this is the direction she's going to take in life regardless? So we're going to. That, that was actually, you know what? That was actually her dad's idea. And at first she just wasn't sure because she was just young enough to be a little bit nervous. And he was right. It was just the perfect thing. Right. And I don't know if he had friends that had their kids in the course or whatever, but it was just perfect. And mm -hmm. she went to a lot of different um, courses. Like I said, just things like she was hula hooping for a bit. She took different dance classes, like anything she wanted to do was like, yes, let's go do that. That's exactly right. Cause she just, uh, yeah, she liked to perform. She performed in different small shows for the pride parade. She would hula hoop. She was usually one of the hula hoopers for pride parade, which apparently is pretty tough to hula hoop for three straight hours and walk, but Walk for three straight hours is hard. I went to a, a place that I worked at. We had a float or whatever in the Pride Parade. And my memory of that day was the horrific sunburn <laughs> that yeah. lasted for weeks later. Uh, and that's me like being a, a softy hiding out in the shade. Uh, forget hula hooping the whole time. She was hula hooping. She had cheetah, cheetah spots uh, drawn on her. And I just remember afterwards washing them off through the burn because they were all burned on. <laughs> and same thing. She was like, oh, I stopped every so and so, every so often to throw up because I thought, yeah, 
And then the next year she'd do it again. Why didn't you tell me? It was like, well, you know, it's bad. Right. But no, she wanted to do it. Right. That was part of her thing. So as Andrew grows up uh, in in Halifax to Dartmouth, a variety of schools, a variety of experiences throughout those schools, uh, let's move on to more like her high school years, which I think for uh, as far as adult personality, that's probably the more formative area era. When, when where would she have gone to high school? Was that in Dartmouth? She went to Dartmouth High. Yes, mm-hmm. that, was rough, that was a rough go. What what made it a rough go? Um unsure she just really didn't like the school she um her and her brother were there her and both brothers were there actually and you know they all kind of came home with the same story it was just like you know you can be doing nothing and walking down the hall and someone's going to bang india and yell at you for banging into them and i thought oh no mm-hmm. like and with her i'm not saying that i wouldn't believe her but i thought oh god are you really just walking down the center of the hall but kind of when the boys said it, it was like that's that's a really terrible thing. And they had like, they were checking people for knives and guns and that freaked out the kids because that's a freaky thing. We're not mm-hmm. used to this stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and that would be even more so when, when Andrew went there, it would have been known as a rough school and a rough it was area. absolutely. Yep. And, yep. and when you take a, a, someone who is a bit like artistic, creative minded, sensitive and put them in a rough school, that's, that often is, uh, that backfires. Water. Yeah. yeah, it really is. Yes, absolutely. Right. She was lucky to find a few friends there that were like her. But yeah, they were few and far between in her group there. Mm-hmm. Socially, how would she have spent her time? Because when what I know of Andra is she seems to be very outgoing socially, like the photos online are more in, in tune with like a, like a social media influencer model type. I can't, I, I don't imagine her as someone who's just kind of lurking in the shadows uh, through no, like high school. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. She was on, she liked social media before it was the thing to like kind of thing. Right. And she liked to do makeup tutorials. And then like you mentioned, her YouTube thing is all just crazy dry humor. Like I know there's people that go, what is this? And it's others of us are just going, Oh my God, she's crazy. Right. Just doing, <laughs> making fun of the makeup tutorials kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Just kind of riffing on it. In a lot of her videos, it's just, I can see that she's enjoying herself. She's just alone talking to her laptop or whatever, just kind of riffing on these different concepts or the different styles of videos that you know, she's emulating or whatever. So the YouTube channel that is archived of her stuff really gives a sense of kind of the sense of humor and the playful nature that, that she had with, with life. Uh, What about her aspirations later in life? Like as she's going through high school, yeah, she's having troubled times, but did you know of her plans? Like when she grew up, she wanted to be an actress or, you know, where, where did you expect her life to go? She always, uh, she really enjoyed the radio. She talked about maybe some journalism. She wasn't sure how that would go. Part of the thing at our community radio station was you could interview people for your show, which that's always fun. And you'd get into shows and be able to do interviews. So she had a little taste of that. Um, She actually, CKDU's operated on volunteers, but she actually had a paid position there for a bit organizing a conference for CKDU, which was awesome. It was always the college radio stations had a big conference every few years. The different universities took turns organizing it. So she she really liked that. She Her art, she started to 
turn into tattoos. She really wanted to be a tattoo artist. Mm-hmm. So that was something she thought about. And then in music. And I think she just didn't know yet. So she was just going to do a little bit of everything until she figured out her end game kind of thing. Right. Like she, she didn't know what she was going to be when she grew up. She just wanted to keep doing everything that kept her happy. Right. Yes. Creating and experiencing life. It seems like would be her, her absolutely. Like she did a little bit of traveling the last going off. Right. Like, so that's just it. She just started to open up. She had, we had sick grandparents that the twins helped take care of. So I feel like a lot of their years were spent very close to the grandparents home and it was after they passed away that they could go away and they Mm -hmm. could experience a little bit more of life right Mm -hmm. after high school did she take any uh, university or post-secondary kind of schooling uh no she did a little bit of hair and makeup Mm -hmm. um and then no she really didn't know what she wanted to do and we were not going to push her to do anything we, we weren't sure how that was going to go really and she thought she would take a couple years off i think that might have been when she got into the radio a little bit more heavy mm-hmm. which we encouraged because we thought you know any kind of interest that's that sounds fabulous and mm-hmm. she was smart as a whip and she had a crazy knowledge of music so mm-hmm. you know if you can pull off something at the radio station that would be great journalism you know anything and music herself she was playing with music herself she was never sure about her own music but that's kind of why she went to seattle because she talked to someone about doing the music oh interesting now let's jump to uh around 2019 at the start of the covid pandemic because that's when things seem to really start changing in her life Uh, maybe paint the picture for me of Andrew's life just just leading into the pandemic was she living in Halifax was she working what was she even doing she she was she was living in Halifax she was actually living with her grandmother Mm -hmm. um and she first went to Seattle in July of 2019 and she stayed for oh I'm not sure when she came back she stayed for a couple months Mm -hmm. And she came back. She came back for Christmas, her birthday, and her brother's birthday for the first week in January. What brought her initially to Seattle? Like in Halifax, for for someone to get up and go to Seattle would be very unusual. Do do you know why she would have went there or what connected her to Seattle initially? It was just meeting this guy online and talking to this guy. Mm -hmm. Apparently on Instagram they met and just started talking. He does music as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the funny thing is, there's a couple of her friends that when she passed, they got in touch and said, damn it, I really wish she came to LA or damn it, I really wish she came to Vancouver. So like she absolutely had a choice to make and 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 pick Seattle. Okay. So her only connection to Seattle was a, a guy she had met on Instagram. And did, did you know, like, I know she wasn't living with you. She was living with her grandmother at this time. Did you know anything about this guy or her reasoning to go to Seattle? Or did you ask any questions or, or like, or um, how, how involved would you have been in that initially? That was, well, at the time she was 26. So mm-hmm. they don't ask a whole lot of permission. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, she just kind of went. So we knew she was going to go. We knew she met someone. We figured she was talking to him on video. You know, everything seemed copacetic that way. We don't ask a lot of questions because she wouldn't answer, to be honest, right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
So, yeah, there's not much you can say when your kid's 26 oh, and they want to go visit someone, right? Uh, of course, she's 26, so she's a woman and can do what she wants. But did uh -huh. you did you have any worries or fear about her going to Seattle with a uh, it seemingly like a pretty open agenda? Like she goes initially and she stays for a few months before she comes back. Like it doesn't seem like she had a like a solid committed plan that she was jumping into. Were, were you concerned at all about that? Yeah, we were terrified about that because we hadn't met him and it was out of the country, right? It was only the States, but it's still out of the country. And um, yeah, like, I guess we just knew that there was no way of stopping her. Mm -hmm. so. yeah, certainly. And she goes for a few months. Uh, she comes back for the holidays, as you described, and for a couple birthdays. Uh, what was that like when she came back? Did it seem like she was back for good or what? What kind of conversations did you have with her about her plans, you know, during that period when she was home? I think some people might have thought she was back for good. Um, it's interesting with her because a lot of people know that sometimes you just don't ask because she's not going to tell you anyway. Mm -hmm. So was it a surprise when she went back? Kind of. Yeah. Oh. But I didn't think it would be for as long as it was. Mm -hmm. So, so she was there for a couple months, came back and stayed in, in Nova Scotia for a little bit for, you know, the holidays and a couple of birthdays. How long did it take before she was off to Seattle again? I think she might've went back maybe ooh, February or March. So she would have been back just a couple months and then gets back yeah. on a plane to go back. Do you, do you recall, like, the, do you clearly remember this period of time when you heard like, oh, Andrew's going back to Seattle. Like, I hope that's going to be okay. Did you, do you yeah, remember that's that? um pretty much that was just basically and that was the thought like i hope this is cool right and you're hoping that she's been with this person for months before so it's got to be okay right you think right it's, mm -hmm. if it was going to be weird it would have been weird the first time mm -hmm. yeah but that, that makes sense but it wasn't it, this did you know this person to be her boyfriend like was that how you understood the relationship no, um, not at all, really. Like, um, I thought maybe at some point, but I don't think at first. Uh, it's hard to say, right? Because she was the type, she could date someone for a while, right? It wasn't like, you're not my boyfriend just because you're going out with me. You're not my girlfriend because you're going out with me right away. Mm -hmm. um, so, no, I didn't see that it was going to be. I kind of thought maybe she went to meet some new friends and do music because we did know from kind of following her instagram and stuff like there was a couple girls involved in it too right so we thought okay well she met a a little bunch of friends down there which made more sense than just going back for this one dude mm -hmm. which no no one met or knew anything about interesting well this second trip to seattle is different for a whole bunch of reasons but one of them is that when she returns to seattle it's not long after that, that the entire world shuts down, including air travel across borders because of COVID. Am I, am I getting the timeline right? Yep. That's exactly it. That's okay. true. Yeah. She would have, I think she left in February because I think everything started to shut down mid-March. Absolutely. Cause I had a planned, uh, my family had planned a trip to Florida to, for Disney world for March break when school is out. And we oh, ended no. up having to cancel our trip. Like, two weeks before March break, but we rescheduled for, we rescheduled it for five weeks later being like, there's no way this is going to last over a month. <laughs> cool too. Yeah. Then, you know, two years later, there's 
protests about masks and i'm just yeah like oh man <laughs> the world is not getting to florida we are yeah not we're not i'm not going to anywhere um but yeah so a- andrew goes back to seattle as covid hit which for all intents and purposes she was going to be stuck there for a while do, do you recall any conversations relating to covid and the borders and you know her not being able to come back she, she was very nervous about it um so her dad has a brother in Vancouver mm-hmm. and he offered to go get her and drive her home. Like, really? let's do this. Right. And nope, she was going to stick it through. And she, I, I kind of took it to be, she was more nervous about the COVID itself than like, she wouldn't even want to go to the airport because there's so many people and it was mm. so hyped and she was afraid of that aspect of it. Okay. Yeah. So not only is she stuck there, but if she doesn't want to put herself at risk by going into an airport to get out of there at the same time. So that, that, that that is interesting. So as she is there, um, uh, embedding herself more so, uh, even more so in this social circle that you're unfamiliar with that you're learning about either through Instagram or maybe not even at all for that matter. Uh, what did you know about her time? Like certainly there would have been phone calls uh, or emails at least where you're, you're kind of checking in on how she's doing. What news was coming back to you about what she was up to down there? Not really a lot. Um, she would send pictures because that's what she was like anyway. So there's lots of pictures, but it would just be of her. So it's, you know, no thought of anything. She had, she wrote home a couple times for some money, which, you know, you're going, that's what your kids do when they go, but you're kind of thinking, why would you need, and it's not a lot of money, but it was like, why, okay, why do you need that? Like come home kind of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, What would you like, what would be just to, to give me a sense of it? Like what would she ask for as far as money? Like how much? 50 bucks, 50 bucks. Okay. So that's right. That's just that's not a lot, right? So you're going, why did you need that, right? Like, it's not like she wanted hundreds to come home or it was just little bits here yeah. and there. Like, get me through to payday is kind of the uh, $50 would be that sort of thing. Although I don't believe she was working in Seattle. She couldn't work there. No, absolutely. Yeah, of course not. So yeah. I know that I know that the girls that she was hanging out with and Dustin, I know that um, they started like a little t-shirt company because I know... Andy did some designs, like she would send different designs and stuff. So I think she did have a little bit of money coming in, not a lot, but I think it was very different. Like I'm hearing from her friends that the life there was a little different than what maybe she was sold. It was going to be right. Mm. My, her grandmother had the idea that, oh, this guy was going to take care of her and blah, blah, blah. And that's not what it sounded like was happening at all to us. Right. Do you know when she was down there, was she living with, uh, his name is Dustin, the person she yes. she met on Instagram uh, that she went yeah. down there to be with. Was she living with him or do you know? She was living with him. Yep. And they got a place a couple hours away from his parents' place mm-hmm. and their friend's place. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it was just him and her. And he would work every day. He would left early. And so, yeah, they used to go in every once in a while on the weekends to visit with his friends Mm -hmm. and then one of the things she did say is that one of the friends was an ex of his and who didn't like her so right so i didn't really put it all together till after but But you can picture 
you can picture the dynamic where she's going to be isolated a lot of the time uh, at at his place when they go in with his friends maybe things are a bit awkward because it's you know she Absolutely. may not know everybody one's his ex yeah i can i can picture that right a not, a, not a cool right very mm -hmm. strange and that doesn't sound like something she'd thrive in at all right but as she's there living with him, you must be learning a little bit about who he is and what their relationship was like at this point, like before everything that will eventually happen happens. What did you know about him and about uh, their relationship her, her and Dustin? All we knew, we knew that um, I think it was June or July. She was having a really rough time. And she had sent us a picture, which to me looks like she's got a bit of a black eye. Okay. So that's something that, okay, maybe it's the lighting. I don't know. She didn't say anything. Are you okay? And but no, she's having a tough time. Um, then I looked through other pictures because I'm just kind of on a tear looking through pictures and she's got a big bruise on her arm. And I start thinking, are you okay? Like what is mm -hmm. happening? Right. Mm -hmm. But she's doing her videos and all seems good. Mm -hmm. And actually the very last video that she did her little coffee time video, she seems so subdued and so different. Yeah. Like I didn't see that till after she passed. But when I saw it, I thought if I had seen this, I would have thought something was up here. So yeah. Um, keep your stick on the ice. Tell your grandparents that you love them. And uh, your folks too. And uh, remember, you've got a friend in me, and I'm always, always around uh, here in the tubes of the internet. So uh, I love you guys. I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire. Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Aaron Habel of Generation Y, and with me is Jack Luna of Dark Topic. We'd like to introduce you to Marooned, a new podcast that's sure to capture your attention. Tales of the catastrophically lost are what we have to offer. Hikers swallowed by the woods. Explorers discovering nothing but destitution. True crime calamity. Oddities of harrowing human experience. It's a museum of misadventure. So pack a lunch. Subscribe to Marooned wherever you find podcasts. We are waiting. Please hurry. Thank you. Tell me, about, we're going to start moving now into into what happens in, in the incident in September. Okay. How, how did you learn that something horrible had happened to Andrew? How does, how does this news get to you? The police had called Andrew's father and he, well, my mother called me. Andrew's grandmother called me hmm. because he couldn't kind of hmm. thing, right? Because hmm. that's a terrible call to make. And just for clarity, you're not together with Andrew's dad. so No, he... we've been apart since the kids were five and seven. Mm -hmm. um, so the police contact him first to give him the news. Mm -hmm. And he goes to your mom to give her the news. And, and it's, so it's your mom who contacts you? 
Yeah, and I actually believe that, well, no, I know that Dustin has called my mom first. Okay. Tell me about the phone call that comes to you that gives you the news of something horrible happened happening like what how did that where were you when you got the call what what did you know or how were you told like how does okay. this come to you um first i actually got i got a message and it was a, fr a mutual friend of andy's father and mine and she said hey lady um what's your phone number kind of thing? And can you give Don a call? And I thought, I said, why? And she said, just can you have to. And I, okay. So I sent my phone number to him. Mm -hmm. And then somehow, I don't know what happened, but like I said, I, I believe it to be, you know, mom talked to him and then said, well, I'll tell her. Mm -hmm. And that was okay because Don, well, Don apologized later. I probably should have told you. I said, well, no worries. Like, that's a tough call to make. I understand that, right? We hadn't talked in a long time. So that's not going to be a fun call to make. Um, but when my mother called and I said, what happened? She told me it was a car accident. Mm -hmm. And she didn't say they were both in the car, but she certainly didn't say that Andy wasn't in the car. Mm -hmm. It, from the beginning, like you, you hear it's a car accident. Did you know it was fatal? Like, was were you told? Like, oh, she, she's absolutely, dead? yes. That's what she said. Yeah, she called and said, "I have really bad news." And I said, "Well, I figured." And she said, "No, no, it's really, really, really bad." And I, so you know, then right, it's something really bad, and you play the guessing game of who, right? So uh, Andy's gone. What happened? She was in a car accident, and I just said, "Andy doesn't drive." And she said, no, she was with her boyfriend. And then I thought, they're both gone, right? And she said, no, he's okay. So okay. at that time, I said, uh, what What happened? Like, did they, and she, nope, she didn't know. And then she was a little out of control too. So the conversation didn't go much past that. I just wanted to get off the phone and call her father. Mm -hmm. Tell me a bit about your process of, learning what happened in that moment because i i can only assume that there's you know a large part of you is shocked and crushed by the news that your only daughter has passed but at the same time without any information there's another part of you that's like what happened how could this happen is this real like tell me about kind of that first day of you know grappling with those two parts of you Oh, absolutely. Right. It was just extreme shock. Absolutely. I don't know really what happened much that day. I know that I either had someone on the phone or someone with me mm -hmm. from the first minute I had friends come down um, and we had no idea what happened. And so when I finally got in touch with Andy's father, um, he had a call into the police. So he hadn't even heard from anybody yet. So the call he got was from the association that calls you about donations because she donated her organs, but all they could take was her eyes. Wow. So he, he I believe, I'm not positive that he might have got that call before any other call. Wow. Okay. Um, in, uh, where this incident occurs in Seattle with Dustin, it's not like you can call the Halifax police. You you have to learn, I guess, who do I even call when someone dies in another city within another country? So that makes it that much harder to 
get this this information do, do you recall how you began to receive information of what actually happened that was actually don um don was on it and, he and don called, is uh, don is andy's father sorry don is andy's dad yeah. yeah and he called the hospital he called the police he called 911 he called everybody and i know this because i have all the phone calls because mm -hmm. that's part of the package that you get when you have everything when you're an investigator you know mm -hmm. um and they they had on the record at the hospital that they called the next of kin dawn and he says that they didn't um they did say that they didn't call the next of kin me and they didn't and they said that they had talked to the grandmother, who's not next of kin. Mm, weird. So it really sucks because we're kind of not the closest knit family. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so Dawn finally got in touch with the police and left a message that, of course, they said, we'll call you back in a couple of days. Mm -hmm. So we had to wait for a couple of days. And then he finally got some, he called me. He was pretty upset. He had no answers. He said, she fell. They're saying that she fell. And I said, she fell, she fell and she died. And, you know, he says, like, what did she fall from a plane? Like, what, what do you mean? So I called the police and they were so rude to me. It was terrible. Um, and they were very like, I can't tell you anything else that I didn't tell her father. And I said, well, let's just start from the beginning because we don't really speak. So let's hear. Um, so he basically said that it was an accident and she fell and she was pronounced dead shortly after. And we were just, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. Like how is someone fallen? They're dead kind of thing, right? What was the injury? Well, we don't know because they had to wait, of course, for the medical examiner. Well, then how do we know it's an accident? Because don't we have to wait mm -hmm. here from the medical examiner, right? Mm -hmm. So as uh, time would have stretched on with you not having any, much more information than simply it was an accident, she fell, you know, the, almost like wait and see, we're going to deal with it. Meanwhile, you're you're still left with the task of like getting Andra back for a funeral and dealing with all all those sorts of things, which again during the pandemic and with an international border between you and her, I can only imagine that was its own separate story. What came first, dealing with you know the the funeral and all all of that side of things, or dealing with what happened and learning how she actually died? That was, was, was it all at once. Uh, that was all, that all happened at once. And I have to say that Andy's father took care of everything. Good. Um, she was cremated. They suggested that that was probably the most respectful way to transport a body, especially during COVID because mm -hmm. everything gets checked. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. So yeah. And actually that was, she was cremated pretty fast because they called to tell us that it wouldn't be very fast because, you know, sometimes they would use the word homicide and sometimes they wouldn't. Right. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, her organs weren't donated, only her eyes because they don't donate organs when it's a homicide. Mm -hmm. uh, when you, as the mother who lose their daughter and don't have a full explanation of what happened, 
if there's anything that suggests a homicide or foul play, that certainly is going to throw you into a frenzy. Do you recall when the actual suspicion started that there was more to this than an accident? Like I, I can, I can assume that not getting a full detailed description of what happened is going to make you suspicious and, you know, make, yeah. make it be a traumatic experience to go through. But when did that go from, I need more information to, I think there's more to this. That was probably because um, the cop was just so rude. One of the cops was so rude. So then another cop had called Andy's father and basically told him to not have anything on social media because that would be against the law. Um, once I heard these cops' names, I looked them up. I want to see what, what's the story on these cops. Well, nothing good on one of them. Mm -hmm. One of his cases, there was a show about him. Then I looked up all the people involved in the situation. I tried to reach out to some of these girls, right? Girls that were friends of Dustin and Andy's? The girls that were friends and the different people that said to me, these are the girls that lived at this house. This is the house she was at that day, mm -hmm. right? Um and then someone suggested that there was a fight at the house. And I thought, oh, no, this is just turning into, you know, meanwhile, Dawn's trying to get her back. And as a matter of fact, um, they did a GoFundMe and immediately got the money. That was it was just incredible. It was just a blur because everyone did the same thing. This is going to cost a fortune. How do we even go about this? I don't know who helped him with that, but yay. Right. Mm -hmm. That got done and that was wonderful. Yeah. But meanwhile, I didn't want to really bother him too much with what I'm finding out because what do you say to him? Right. Like, oh, my God, I think Buddy might have ran over her. Like, what is going on? Mm -hmm. And we'll get into a lot of the information you learn, but are you learning from the police or are you learning about her days leading up to her death just through your own investigation into who she was with and you know what they had to say about it like how are you the learning all this the first thing well i think that was sort of friends of hers that came forward that were like this is sketchy you know why don't you try to talk to these people um and then sending me different posts that these people had posted but our biggest thing, really, we listen to the 911s. I have a friend in the States, CA, because we can't get this stuff sometimes. Mm -hmm. And we pulled, right away, we pulled the 911 call. We wanted to hear the dispatcher. So we thought, well, we'll get a little bit of a thing. And it was it was labeled as a domestic violence call. Mm -hmm. So that made us dig a little bit more. And we pulled up. It was also labeled under an aggravated assault Okay. So we're like, how is that? How does that translate into she fell, right? Now, this is two different fights. And when we listened to the 911 call, it started out as a fight in the car between a male and a female. And then the female got out and the dispatcher's freaking out like you have to get there faster, step on it mm -hmm. um, because she's in the road now. Okay. So when we heard that, we're like, is that it? Like, is this what happened? Wow. So you're you're putting this all together on your own then. In I know you've at the, at this point you've amassed a huge collection of documents and evidence related to Andrew's death. Maybe without getting too deep into any specific piece of documentation or evidence, give me a sense of the kind of the main things you've collected to tell the story of what happened to her. I sent to the police to get 
videos. So they actually sent me a video that a 10 year old child took of the incident. Um, then I got the toxicology report, autopsy report, autopsy photos, all the phone calls to 911, Dustin's interview, on body cam videos, um, and the in-car videos and more body cam videos. Cam videos came a couple months after. It took 20 months to get all of the pieces. Wow. With your the video and calls and whatnot that you have, what picture does it paint for you of what actually happened leading immediately to her to her death? Like what story does that all tell? Um, the story that Dustin tells himself is that he was at work that day. Um, the girls called Andy to come over early, so they went and got her early. And then he got a text at work telling him to hurry up and come and get her. She was screaming mad. And he showed up. He said himself to the policeman. Um, he had a couple drinks. And she went out to the car. The girls went out to the car with her. She made the girls cry. Um, then he left with her. Then he tells the story that she told him that his best friend who lives at the house with the girls tried to rape her or raped her, actually. Um, and he was going to bring her back to the house and they were going to talk about it with this guy. And basically her point was, no, I'm not going back to the house. So, and now I just want to place the, the rape is, is the story that he tells that this happened that day at the house, or is this something that happened in the past? We're not positive of that. That's okay. the thing, right? So he does say that she's quite upset at something that this Ryan did that day. Mm -hmm. We're putting it together of like, maybe it didn't happen that day. Maybe it was another day, but mm -hmm. why Kaylee was crying was because she told Kaylee, your boyfriend raped me. And this okay. is all Dustin told us this. We're not supposing any of these things. Mm -hmm. Wow. So Kaylee is one of the girls who is there, who is upset because Andra claims that Kaylee's boyfriend had raped her. That's a part of what she's upset about, that they're being like, Dustin, come, you know, come diffuse the situation or whatnot. Yes. His, it seems like he comes, he has a couple drinks, he gets Andra in the car with the plan of going, do, do you know where, or what does he say there? They were supposed to go to a barbecue at his parents' other house. They have two houses. Okay. They're supposed to go to a barbecue and meet the sister and the baby. And so they start heading there. And then Dustin decides that, nope, they have to clear this up. We're going they back to, to where the girls up. are. Yeah. Okay. And Andy says no and gets out of the car. She's not going. Mm -hmm. And now we don't have, or you don't have video evidence of what actually happens when no. she gets out of the car, but she ends up being hit or run over by the car. Run over by the car. Yeah. Okay. So we do have one of the witnesses in the on-body cam that says that Dustin ran over her. Mm -hmm. He's the only witness that saw this happen. This is the only witness that the police didn't give us. We got all the other witnesses that said, no, I came out, she was laying in the street. We have all their names, but the police didn't pass on the name of the guy whose video, we have a video of him telling the story. Mm -hmm. 
in as as far as like if i'm just thinking if i'm driving a car and somebody gets out of the passenger door i don't know how i can run them over unless i drive away and turn around and come back do, do you know if there was any like kind of movement like that or do we even have that much information we're not really sure because he says she got out of the car she ran around to his side of the car so i kind of in my mind, I'm going, if you get out and he had your purse and all your stuff in the car and he's going to leave you there, because that's what it is at this point. He said he was just going to leave her there. Um, so, by the way, she ran. She grabbed the handle of his car door. He saw her coming around the corner, grab the handle and fall down. And she was screaming at him. So he said he stopped the car immediately and looked back and she was laying on her back in the ground. Um there are tire marks behind his rear tire. One of the things we thought is, did you back over her and then run over her? Because there's a lot of damage. Her damage, the damage that is questionable is that it's both of her arms. It's It broke her neck. It broke every bone, really, in her, the base of her skull. Um, and her arms are broken, which might indicate a defense thing, because if you see a car coming and put both your arms up, Right. Mm -hmm. and, so, and you know this because of the you have the autopsy report the autopsy and the pictures yeah so when you get when, when you hear the story that you just described um and then get an autopsy showing this severe damage that seems to be inconsistent with just kind of grabbing the door handle and falling under the car falling um, down yeah mm -hmm. yeah that would certainly not only be disturbing to see that information, but would raise some significant questions. Um, you mentioned as well, you have body cam video, but of course that doesn't start until the police arrive on the scene. Yes. Yeah, the, the, body is... the body cam starts with him. He's over her body and the ambulance is coming and the cops coming towards him. Looks like head wound here, car pedestrian. Okay, where's the wound? You would think when you were, if a police officer is responding to a call of that is domestic in nature, like if they're fighting and she's jumping out of the car, mm -hmm. if that's what's happened, I'm, I'm at least, a, a, you would think a cop would handle it as a domestic violence at least it was labeled as a domestic violence on the way over did in the call that we heard, right? Did you need a permit? This is DB related. A firm, it is DB related. A firm, this is Do you see that in the body cam footage? Like, does it appear that they are investigating Dustin's no. involvement? Not at all. No. No, not at all. They walk, he, the, the cop walks up on it like, what's going on here? And Dustin is sitting behind her body. She's choking, not to be too graphic. And he says, we were fighting. So what, what happened here? We were fighting very intensely. Okay. I was driving. She hit me. And I have cats here. Okay. She got out of the car, said, fuck you. I said, I'm leaving then. I, she got out of the car, ran, and I took off. She ran around the back to grab my door. Okay. And that's when she fell down, and I'm... 
the ground. Okay. And I pulled out. Get her head on the ground. I don't know. I didn't see it. Okay. Sam one. I'll need uh, three Sam. Okay. Sir? No. 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 Um, looks like it's a domestic thing. She was at the back of the car, and apparently uh, he said she fell back here. So. No, I drove off, okay. and she grabbed to grab my door. Okay. And let you know everything's being recorded here. And then the ambulance comes, and it shows her she's dying on the road right there. And just to paint the scene, like I, I've seen parts of this video that you're describing. And as, as someone who doesn't know Andy and has never met her, I felt it was incredibly disturbing to see this scene playing out while there's like a child standing on the side of the road with his mm -hmm. mother holding a camera filming mm -hmm. her dying in the street. Yep, with his in front of in front of police. Yep, yep, and he filmed it. What is like as a mother who sees this? Like I've never spoke to someone who has gotten this much evidence and information as graphic as as it is while investigating the the death of a child. I I cannot possibly imagine how it would feel to see this stuff. But at the same time, maybe seeing it or, or not knowing is maybe worse than actually seeing it. Like, tell me about the struggle of I need to learn what happened, but it's killing me to look at this. Absolutely. But I really think I did need to know what happened. And I I did have to look at everything. I felt like yeah, you weigh it out in your head. It's not like I just want to see this gratuitously terrible picture mm -hmm. or these videos. I have to dissect these. I have to do what the police didn't do. Um, and everybody came. There was probably 12 cops there that day. They were standing around for three hours. So everybody had their body cam. Everyone had their in-car cam. Like, this was a lot of hours of, and, you know, the cops telling you, like, I don't have time. I don't have time to go through all the body. He admitted that he didn't go through the body cam footage. Mm -hmm. You did, though. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and you, you described uh, Dustin sitting on like her boyfriend or whatever the relationship is. He's sitting on the curb near near her as she as she's passing. Um, the, the police ask him a few questions there. Do they do like a breathalyzer or anything? Because he, he no. does admit he had drinks. There was nothing like that. So once she went down, did you continue to go? Or? No, I pulled over immediately. OK. And you haven't moved your car since? No. OK. Nobody drinking, smoking, anything, anything like well, that? Andrew, mom, can I get off the phone, please? I'm talking to the police. Yes. Andrew was pretty inebriated. Okay. I just picked her up from the house. Okay. And we got into a big argument, and I, she wanted to leave the house. This is our friend's house over here. Okay. I see another police cam video where one of the cops said, well, is he intoxicated? And he said, no, he said he doesn't drink. And the cop kind of looks like, oh, wow, okay, we're doing that. Um, and then when he gets to the police station, that's when he says that he drank and that he drank in the car. Mm -hmm. And again, nobody says a thing. And I walk into the gas station and I um, go into the bathroom there. I use the bathroom and I come back out 
sit in the car. She's crying. Did she get back in the car? She was in the. Yeah, she did when I like when she walked across the street mm -hmm. and I was about to park. That's when she hopped back in. You know, right back to arguing. And then she went and parked, and I was I had like a part of a beer still. So I got out and I was like, you know, what the hell am I gonna do right now? And I had a beer. Right. I had a beer in my hand that was like half full, and I went and discarded it behind the the gas station. Okay. And we sit in the car and we discuss some more. And then I was like, well, we got to go back and get my stuff from their house or whatever we have left over there. I'm going to get out and be like, look, and just t basically explain myself, tell them we're leaving and it's getting worse and worse. And she's, what do you mean it's getting worse? She's still screaming at me. I'm still trying to tell her like, I need, I don't understand what's happening right now. And she, I mean, at this point you guys are arguing. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Like screaming. Yeah. And like, uh, tell me about the interview. What are your, when, when he goes to the police station and answers questions about hap what happened, what stands out to you? Like what, what about it uh, is noteworthy for you? He, I just think like zero remorse. He just doesn't seem to answer any question. He, he is insistent that he did not hit her with the car. Um, he just pleads his own innocence, his own innocence, like over and over. He's more worried about him being in trouble than like he doesn't even ask about her. If I'm not mistaken, the one time he really expresses emotion is when his mom shows up. Uh, I think it's yeah. his mom at one point. At the end, right? Mm -hmm. um, why don't you come over here? We'll talk to your mom and dad. They're here too. You don't need that anymore, do you? Uh, just so I understand, the police didn't actually come out and tell him she's dead until uh, Dustin's mom was on the scene. And that's when they revealed to him like she actually passed. Although based on everything I've seen, there shouldn't have been a whole lot of questions. She was severely, Absolutely. severely injured. Absolutely. And well, here's the strange thing. Once we got, so this was all at his interview when his parents came to pick him up. Once we got the on-body cam, we have video of him, someone calling Dustin on the phone and he's freaking out. No, no, no. And someone, one of the cops says, how did he get a phone? What is going on? So putting that together, I feel that he had called my mother because we know he did. Um, she probably called the hospital. They said she's gone and she called Dustin back to tell him. So Dustin did know going into the interview that Andy was gone. Wow. Okay. So it makes it even stranger that, you know, when he says at one point, it, how is she? It's like, mm -hmm. she's gone, dummy. Have you ever come across anything that would give you a reason to think the police would choose to not investigate Andrew's, Andrew's death? Like, what, is there some reason they would give this kid a pass? I wondered that a lot. And a lot of people suggested, well, maybe his parents know someone or whatever. Um, but you know what? There's been so many stories and not, not only from Seattle, but a lot coming out of Seattle of 
different girls being killed in a domestic violence situation and the cops are billing it as a suicide or accidental or even one cop that hit the girl in the crosswalk i don't know if you saw that where they were laughing about the girl that died in the crosswalk. oh yeah horrific to so hear. like the seattle's maybe the worst police force right now they're really ahead of being the suck right mm -hmm. you mentioned no, at the no. beginning of our talk that you're connected to mothers against drunk driving mad yeah i can only imagine what they have to say about a case where a domestic violence or a domestic incident leads to a young woman being dead on the road the the male driving the vehicle admits to drinking and there is no breathalyzer no no question not a thought that. of it they did her toxicology though they did andy's toxicology though right that mm. was one of the questions how drunk was andra and it was like how about how drunk was the driver the dry yeah and if i'm not mistaken as well is i believe andra's toxicology results were used against her in terms of her character like for uh, receiving treatment for like depression or something did that absolutely not um the the policeman actually yeah i kind of forget about that the first thing he said to me is well she upped her meds mm -hmm. maybe she did i don't know but that was what dustin was leaning into that well her meds were upped and she was off and her toxicology no she didn't up her meds at all mm -hmm. so the her meds get brought up because a part of the explanation for how she ends up under his car is she, she's crazy and she was going nuts and she jumped out of the car and you know so that's used against her um as a way to justify or explain what had happened but him admitting to drinking in the middle of this isn't enough to raise an eyebrow or anything no. it just it does seem like even without getting through all the documents and information, I wonder if it's there's this is just a crazy young woman from Canada who is up here and did something yeah. dumb and and it seems like case closed innocent. Absolutely, and this and this nice white boy who lives here um, seems like a good guy, and he says he is. Um, so earlier, as you were telling the story, you said this is not the first time that she's had gone off on you like this how often would you say this i mean so i mean andra has a lot of things she deals with and i've always been this as patient as i can with her and i like which is a lot very very patient and loving and for her but there are times where I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like her meds kind of like aren't meshing with her well. She kind of does, she'll start, um, she'll start getting suspicions in her head that I'm not being faithful to her or, you know, like something's going on. I have to be talking to someone else. So that is what you've been living with for the last several years is this idea that there was a huge injustice. Uh, there's more to the story than the police were interested in learning. And would it be fair to say that your belief is that Dustin got away with something? Oh, 100% and same as his friend. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yes, because it's on her last day, she's made an accusation that 
that she was raped. There was no investigation into yeah. any of these things. When she, when she died, all of that seemed to die with her. Done. As far yeah. as the investigation is is concerned, no one no one was was charged uh, with anything related to the like with Dustin's driving or whatnot. There was nothing. No charges ever laid. Okay. Nope. Nothing. Mm-hmm. He's a good guy. Have you ever? I I know you mentioned he spoke with your mom. Have you ever had communication with like directly with him or with? No, none of us heard a word from him, his parents the girls i did speak with one of the girls but not kaylee mm-hmm. uh haley the other one mm-hmm. uh, now i know you've made it your mission to hold whoever's responsible responsible for andrew's death uh, learn everything that's happened and um and show the and show the horrible tragedy for what it is publicly uh, t- tell me like what at this point do you see as your end goal like what where do you hope this goes or what do you hope to get for andra i would like to see i would love to see justice but you know you want to be realistic because the first few things we were told was they were years behind in cases the jails are full like they're really not going to do anything to this guy so my thoughts are little like maybe you shouldn't be driving you know, maybe you should kind of come with a warning for anyone else that's going to travel to see you. Um, you can, maybe you have anger issues. I don't know. And I think sort of my, I've already had people let me know that because of Andrew's story, they've left a really strange relationship and they think they dodged a bullet, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going, these are the things that, these are the good stories that you hear that kind of want you to keep going and God, if it helps one person, it's good, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the work you're doing. Like, how are how are you spreading this awareness? Where are, where are you sharing this story? And because I know you share your investigation publicly into this case, how do you do it? I do. We have well, we have a TikTok, and that's under Justice for Andra, and we actually have a site which is www.justiceforandra.ca or .com. Whatever you want to use, it goes to the same thing. And really my prime directive with the site is to just get more eyes on this case, more people to realize that stuff slips through the cracks. Um, I don't know. You can't kill our girls, I guess, is my bottom line. Like no mother wants to know that their daughter was killed and the guy's off to date more. Mm -hmm this just can't happen again is it going to unfortunately but no one should have to investigate their kids death i want to thank you for joining me for this episode of nighttime to the many friends family members and loved ones of andy adams my deepest condolences to you on the loss of someone who seems quite accurately described as a firecracker I hope to continue my review of the circumstances related to Andrew's death in follow-up episodes. So with that said, if you'd like to contribute or take part, I invite you to contact me at nighttimepodcast at gmail.com. Now I'm going to start wrapping up this episode, but before I do, let me end with some thanks. First, a big thanks to Lilith Adams for sharing her heartbreaking loss with us. I can only imagine how difficult it is to lay this all out. But I only hope in doing so, more people consider Andrew's story and the circumstances that surround her death. 
Next, a big thanks to Monty Data, who contributes the music for this episode, and LJ from the Dystopian Simulation Podcast, who provides my intro and outro voiceovers. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Yeah, um, keep your stick on the ice, tell your grandparents that you love them, and, uh, your folks too, and, uh, remember, you've got a friend in me, and I'm always, always around, uh, here in the tubes of the internet, so, uh, thanks for watching my review, and I love you guys. Her name is Elspeth. Elspeth Tassioni. You know her as the offbeat but brilliant defense attorney from The Good Wife and The Good Fight. You've been a very busy little bee. Buzz, buzz. Now, she's in New York with the NYPD. This is very different. Better. But still using her unconventional ways to find the truth. You're trying to sniff me, Miss Tassioni? <laughs> Elspeth, new series Thursdays on Global. Stream on Stack TV.